Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hey, crazy birds. I hope you guys are doing well. Our guest today is a writer and illustrator that uses her superpowers to make heavy environmental issues feel lighter and less terrifying. She focuses on solutions and storytelling and squeezes a lot of hope, humor, and puns in her work. Her story has been shared globally, and she's known for her bright and busy designs that have helped turn environmental apathy into everyday action. In this episode, we find out how her journey started, the importance of art in the environmental movement, And she also gave us some tips that will keep us going. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Emily Ellers. Thank you so much. So nice to be here. (laughs) It's lovely to have you here and to hear more about your journey and everything and kind of how did your sustainable journey actually start? Well, I I mean, I've always been a bit of an (laughs) eco-warrior. Even when I was a five-year-old girl in England, mum said that I I went vegetarian and started getting really traumatised because there was a lot of videos of whaling and things like that at that time. And so I've always been interested, always been interested in, in art as well. But I guess it really started in 2010, I think, or nine. I started a blog called Olive on Blonde. I would just kind of blog about my journey. And then in 2012, I did Plastic Free July. And that's when it kind of really became like a central focus of my life. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And super cool that Plastic Free July was also started in WA, where you are based now. And me too, for all of our crazy birds. Well, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I was the first Plastic Free July and it was just this tiny little event just ran at the Cottesloe Council and obviously I think you know Rebecca and so it it just started so small and then it's just this global phenomenon. It's amazing. Oh, it is. It's so amazing and for all of our crazy birds, if you have not heard about Plastic Free July yet, I'm going to link in our show notes the episode I actually did with Rebecca just to give you guys a little of a throwback of how it was speaking to her. She is. She's just amazing. But yeah, so obviously then from that, you started what is called artivism. Yes. (laughs) I would love for you to just tell our crazy birds a little bit about what exactly is this artivism that you are doing and what does it mean? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm a visual learner and I just, these topics, they're so heavy. Lots of them have, I mean, we've all seen campaigns where it's like animal cruelty and you're seeing these terrific images and I think they're very important, but I also think that they can scare people off. And I have a stupid sense of humour, so I also (laughs) just kind of wanted to take these big issues and kind of like break them down 
make them easier and more approachable for people to kind of get involved and just kind of stopping that thing where people get so overwhelmed that they don't even start. Because even even me, when I was within my own journey, I found myself get completely saturated by all the horror statistics and not knowing enough about solution based sort of steps that I could take. So I thought I just wanted to make it light, funny, solutions focused, but also educational. So, I mean, also Instagram being the way it is, it just, it kind of grew really organically that people just wanted to see those messages kind of broken down and colorful and funny. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love it. And uh, you've covered some really important topics and you've also done stuff that you've broken it down to what exactly it is. And, you know, some of the stuff is like, you know, how to store without using plastic. And it might seem like something for us that's been on this journey that like, yeah, how do you mean you still store in plastic? But for other people, that's all that they know. And to know that there's other options available, no matter how fun or how silly it might seem to them, just to know that that's available. So I just love how, you know, you bring in that educational element. And I mean, being a fellow artist as well, it's really amazing to see that more people are using their artistic skills to actually spread awareness and not just to create something that's really cool to look at, but also really fun for people to look at and learn as well. Yeah. And I think, well, I mean, we're humans are just so driven by stories as well. And I think you can take all the facts and data and throw it at someone and they're not going to remember it. Whereas if you give it a storyline and a compelling one at that, it is retained so much in their minds as well. And it kind of gives them a different view on how to move forward with it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I love seeing the amount of artivists there are now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's amazing. And, you know, being like, obviously an artist and, you know, there's always these questions that I have, you know, talking to a fellow artist and one (laughs) of it, how does your design process, like, what does it look like? How do you start from what we see as this awesome image to track back, like take us where it all start. It's messy. (laughs) I'm a messy person. Uh, Generally, so I kind of, I always get my ideas when I'm walking or or just wherever. And I kind of start off with a complete brain dump and just write down, what do I want the viewer to know? What do I want them to do? And so I kind of, I I just brain dump it all and I'll generally get some weird storyline in my head from that. And then I kind of just like, it's just really just trying to sketch it and fit it all in. And sometimes I'll do it like a grid up if I'm doing a slideshow and go, okay, I've got to fit this complex thing into 10, into 10 slides. So what am I going to say in each of these slides? Because I also have a tendency, as you may now have realized, to waffle. <laughs> and that translates into my drawings too. So yeah, I just kind of like, I, I sit with it for a couple of days generally. And then it's just all like sketching it out and twisting it and trying to figure out ways to make it fit. (laughs) Oh, awesome. I just love it. It's it's so funny now because I've been doing it for a few years that like any of the kind of seasonal things like Christmas is coming up. So I'm redoing a lot of my old drawings. And so it's much easier to kind of like look back at them because generally I'm quite rushed. 
So I'm kind of like refining them and making more space. And yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch how they've kind of morphed. Oh, awesome. And how did that style that you have, it's colorful, it's bold and, you know, it's all over. Like, how did that develop for you? It was me choosing not to try be cool like embracing my uncoolness because they're my art's not it's not fine art (laughs) and so there's like you would look at there's all these beautiful artists out there who just make these these Instagram feeds that are perfectly color coordinated and curated and things like that and I'm just not that person so I just thought I've always loved cartoons I'm just gonna do it and I wasn't brave enough to do it at first because it it all just started with me sharing my uni notes which I used to draw And then seeing that people were kind of being attracted to that and going, oh, wow, I get how that works now. So I just kind of kept doing me and that resonated and here we are. So did you always like draw? Because I think you draw like on an iPad or like a tablet or something. When did that start? Like, or have you always just like scribbled? Are you the person in Starbucks scribbling on the napkins or... Oh, yeah. So I used to get so told off at school because I I went to quite a strict school and I used to just draw all over my hand. So like my whole hand would be a doodle or I'd draw over my shoes. Um, Yeah, I'm a constant doodler. Then when, so I'd always been experimenting with how to get the, how to be able to color them online and get them online easily, like scanning and all this sort of stuff. And I'd experimented with quite a few of the tablets, like the Wacom tablet and things like that. And then when I found the Procreate on the iPad, I was just like, okay, this is so (laughs) simple. So I make sure I still draw every day with pencil and paper because I I love, give me a 4B pencil and I'm just happy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the dark um, one for our crazy birds. Oh, I love, I love shady. It's soft. But yeah, the the iPad just made it so much easier. And with two kids and working and all the things, it's just ease is important. (laughs) I can imagine. And you've also done some really cool ones in Spanish that I've noticed. Like how did that come about and why Spanish and... I would get emails from people saying, hey, I'm in Italy. Hey, I'm in Spain. Hey, can you do this? I got uh, someone from Georgia and just all these different kind of places. So I thought I might as well just try and get them out. I did Arabic once. Oh, wow. I'm not going to do that again (laughs) because I completely bogged it up because I didn't even realise that they write right to left. Oh. Oh, anyway. But in the end, I've converted my handwriting into a font so I can do it quicker now. Oh, wow. So instead of me having instead of me having to handwrite them out, I can just kind of type them in. And it doesn't look as, it's not, it doesn't look as much my style just because of the variance of the characters, but at least I can kind of get it so the message gets gets further out there. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal. And yeah, that, that <laughs> sounds so cool. And I mean, with the Arabic, yes, that's That's a hard one. You know, living in Dubai (laughs) for seven years, I still can't really speak Arabic, say a few phrases. But yeah, writing, I once had to do a piece where I wrote family in Arabic. And oh my gosh, I had to get like five Arabic people to look at it and every single time they were just like, no, this is wrong. Yeah, like wrong. this, well, that's this how is I not family. I, <laughs> <laughs> I had people just in my inbox kind of going, oh, dude, good try, but no. <laughs> so, so yeah. 
Oh, the awesome. fun makes it easier. Yeah, I can <laughs> I can imagine. So you do not speak Spanish. It was just because you got it. Yeah, it's just because it, it, I, I was doing a thing at the time. I've got to be less kind of scattergun approach for it now. But just if I had spare time, I'd be like, hey, if you're from, if you speak a different language, email me and we kind of have a bit of back and forth and they'd send it through. So one of them for the uh, the climate march I think I did a whole heap of different languages just from people just translating for me. So, so yeah, it's not like a, a, a set approach. It's just when I can. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, when you do get someone to help you with translating back in high school, you know, I used to go to an English high school for a bit and I was Afrikaans and we had Afrikaans as a subject. So we would sometimes get some of the English speaking students when we had to do an Afrikaans assignment kind of help. And, you know, sometimes with the girls, that was not so nice. We added a few extra... (laughs) flavoring Afrikaans yeah. words in. <laughs> I have worried about that. It's like the it's like the people that get the Japanese or Chinese tattoos and realize they've got like fried pork instead of like destiny. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't imagine. Oh geez. But I mean your art is really just so inspiring, you know? One one of these pieces of yours that really hit home for me was the last northern male white rhino that died. You know, that was for me, it's obviously Africa's my blood. And just to see that really kind of, you know, boom, it it just took that really importance of what we are doing and especially with sustainability and trying to conserve as many species as possible. So what has been some of the feedback that you've received about your art and the message that it's sending? Uh, that one, I think, was one of the first ones that kind of went big. I think Science Direct put it up or something like that. But, yeah, I, I think mainly I get thank you. You've taken a really complex issue and kind of chunked it down for me so I can actually understand. I get that quite a bit. And also just giving a hopeful way forward. That's kind of the main thing. Or because I'm quite open about how I feel emotionally about things, especially this year, like, it's been a traumatic year for so many people and so many people just kind of say thank you for actually putting into words what I've been feeling. So I do feel a bit vulnerable sometimes when I say my mood or or write something emotional, but I, I know that it's kind of connecting everybody and so many people are experiencing similar things. Wow, that's amazing. I just love it. And it's great to see how you formed kind of this community as well of like-minded people that just feel inspired by the work that you are doing. The ripples of your artwork has seriously been seen all over the world. You know, um, some of it has been reshared on Greenpeace, guys. Like, let's give this woman a round of applause. And also, like, you've done stuff with National Geographic, with some other large companies. So what would you kind of say is next for Eco with M? Oh, well, I've got a, I've got a big secret project that I can't quite talk about yet, but will be next year I'll be able to to really kind of yell from the rooftop. So that will be something big. But, I mean, I'm, I'm working on getting a print store up because lots of schools and lots of cafes and businesses always request posters. So that should be up. Within the next couple of days, I'm I'm putting all the kind of like the climatarian diet where it really, really explores so many issues that are linked with eating. So I really want to be getting into schools and doing that sort of thing. 
And hopefully, I mean, COVID kind of dashed a few things, but I was going to be doing a lot of in-person workshops, but now I'm going to be looking at digital, obviously, with with the way the world's gone. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm, my main focus is really just building more community and actual interacting, not just on Instagram or Facebook, but actually having like calls like this and, and things like that with, to bring people together and encourage them to make their own communities where they live. Is there maybe a book in the future or like on yes, the bucket possibly. list? <laughs> possibly, <laughs> yeah, that could be an exciting thing in the future. I we'll love see how it. We go. And um, I mean, I've seen recently on your social media as well that you are doing a very limited amount of custom illustrations so people can actually get you to do one for them. How would people get in touch with you to do that? Either just on Instagram or email me at hello at ecowithm.com. I think I've got two left, uh, which has been a fun little thing just before Christmas. And I mean, I work with lots of businesses as well. That's that's part of my business is kind of creating uh, eco-taining like, or eco-tainable, I can't remember what they called it, uh, things that explain what they're doing, like their businesses and how they're sustainable. So I create little infographics for them. So if you're a business, please feel free to call me. Oh, awesome. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to link up all of that, links to your Instagram and everything on the show notes. So go there awesome. if you guys can't find it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you've been really a busy lady. And if you're not creating some amazing artivism pieces, you are <laughs> literally being a super mom. <laughs> but you are also uh, studying. And can you tell us more about this sustainable development and international aid degree that you are currently doing? <laughs> well, firstly, for super mom, I wish I could just turn the camera and you could see like my washing pile that is just bigger than... <laughs> <laughs> bigger than anything I've ever seen. Uh, and with my uni degree, I've actually deferred this year just because of the, the project I had going this last semester. I just thought, you know what, I'm going easy on myself because this is just too much. And I, I've kind of really embraced that slowing down thing because I've kind of seen in myself, and I'm sure you have seen it in yourself or other people, this like hustle, hustle, hustle thing. And I do think it's a kind of philosophy that we've got from this capitalistic neoliberal sort of thing of just always being and doing. So, so yeah, but I, I was doing sustainability and that was just, it was an incredible degree and I've met so many lovely close friends from it. And that's how I went to Bhutan, which I, I know we're talking about later, but but yeah, it's, it's, it was a, a fantastic degree to do and I'm excited to get back to it. I just, but we'll see, like sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. And I mean, that's really important to, to sometimes realize that, you know, we cannot do everything all at once, you know, try and do whatever you can at that point And then that moment and whatever feels good for you. And I mean, especially now during COVID, I mean, I've had ups and downs and moving how many times during this yeah. year it's just been one of those roller coaster rides and you've created some really funny videos as well during COVID <laughs> that I've had a great laugh you know showing yeah. some of the struggles that you've been facing during lockdown yeah. with the kids <laughs> and you know everything so what has been the few things that you've been doing to actually keep you going during this lockdowns and pandemic? 
I think I've, I've leaned really heavily into stoicism and have been learning a lot about that. And that has actually made such a difference, kind of focusing on what it is I can control, what it is I can't control. All those philosophies have really helped. And just going soft on myself uh, and even talking about deferring uni, I did a post about this thinking kind of it's like I refer to it as monoculture mind where you're just you just expecting just to take and take and take and take from this field of energy. And in conventional farming, people aren't putting the nutrients back into the soil. And so the soil's degrading and the crops are are not as great. And people, like if a bug comes into a monoculture field, it can just wipe you out. It's not a resilient system. So I've kind of been treating myself like the field (laughs) and making sure that I'm actually kind of accepting that there are different seasons and I can rest and be productive for, on certain times, but I need to be able to actually pull back and rest as well. Oh, I love that. That's really important. And it really took me, I would say, probably about six months to kind of, you know, go through this thing to be at a point where I'm accepting where I'm at, what is happening, that, you know, everything has changed. And, you know, so many of our plans that we had kind of fell through. And I always just like wanted to keep going, you know, even though (laughs) everything's in lockdown, I wanted to, you know, do stuff because I've set these goals. And, you know, to, to kind of just take that moment and be like, listen, you're okay, you're safe, you're fine. Just like be thankful for that today. And let's yeah. take take something small, like take a little step and don't try and do everything at, at one yeah. time. So yeah, it, it took me some time to get there. And yeah, and now, <laughs> and now sometimes it feels like I'm in this in the zone, like trying to like re recuperate and get some energy. I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. I like this zone. Let's stay in this one for some yeah. time. And that's, I mean, these are the mentalities that are driving the market. So we've got to we've got to change it within ourselves. We can't just sit there kind of going, oh, stop the production and blah blah blah. <laughs> we've got to actually go. Okay, hang on. I can I can slow down. This is okay. I don't have to always be perfect and doing stuff. And yeah, I think it's really important that we foster it in our own lives before we try and kind of change society to to be that way. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And so this week I posted on social media that we are going to do this interview and I got quite a few questions from our audience (laughs) and I selected one which I felt was really fun and funky. And it's from Sam from Canada And she would like to know, if you were a superhero, who would you be and why? Oh, Captain Planet, immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, my gosh. I, when I, look, I've always been a bit more ambitious than is sane. And I remember it was like year seven, a dress-up day, and I fully thought, despite being so crap in terms of science mind, that I could maybe create a jetpack and be Captain Planet and fly around the school. I was so <laughs> devastated when I realised uh, I couldn't do that. But, yeah, Captain Planet, he's the man. Oh, I love it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that's a that's a great one. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've just briefly kind of spoken about your trip to, or, well, you've, you've mentioned Bhutan. 
And um, the moment I saw, like, you've been there, I immediately was just like, what? That's amazing. As it's one of those places that's just, like, super high on my list to actually go to. And, no, obviously travel has halted for some time, but it's definitely a place that I want to go and visit sometime. First of all, how did you go there? It's not, like, mainstream travel destination. Yeah, yeah, well... It's so it's such an interesting place. Like since it kind of went viral because they measure gross national happiness instead of GDP, it kind of got onto the like the conscience of everyone. I think it was a university um, scholarship. So there were I think ten of us from sustainability and ten from business that could 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 go to it. And I applied not thinking I would get it because I had a severe phobia of flying, like severe. I had not flown for 10 years and it's considered one of the top five most dangerous runways in the world to land on. So I applied thinking, ah, it's all right, and then got it and was like, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I need to do that now. Like I kind of felt like it was a sign from, from the universe to get over this because it's like the place that I'd always wanted to go. So in the end, we did it and the, the the runway was scary, but wonderful. And yeah, it was just, it was the most magical few weeks of my life. It is just the most amazing country and the people there are just wonderful and clever and progressive and great at oh. the same time as being so steeped in tradition. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. And we stayed at the university there and we just learned about, because ecotourism is one of their biggest one of their biggest industries is along with hydropower. But, yeah, it was an amazing place and I know that they're missing tourists. I still speak to some friends back there and I'm sure they're going to be very excited to have the borders opening up again. Oh, I can imagine. And, I mean, these people kind of, you, you've mentioned ecotourism, but, you know, they also live a lot more sustainable as other countries what were some of the stuff that you saw there that you kind of that stuck with you or that you felt just like whoa I'm gonna do it like they did there well I mean it was more in terms of the communities they build they kind of their society has this sort of philosophy of not letting anyone fall out the boat whereas we kind of have this a different way of looking at things I think in Perth uh, well, you've just got him as a, your lovely mayor as well but Basil Zempler saying that homeless people are blights on the city that wouldn't happen there and I think wow. just the way that they kind of embrace a more beautiful conversation around things so one of the things we did we went and stayed in one of the really rural areas and that was actually a program that the government started to get tourism out there to go and visit and so you live rurally and you see how they how they do things and it kind of promotes it with them while like looking after them so it's made me really passionate about how to build community is better. And even just everybody at the uni, they were all just so close and lovely and caring with each other. It was it's not like, it, it wasn't like there was no plastic or anything like that there. Uh, when we did the hike up to um, um, the, oh my gosh, I'm having a complete brain fart. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, we went hiking and there was lots of like piles of plastic and stuff from the tourism. So it's not like it's just this incredible, pristine area that's done nothing wrong. But I think it's just the ability to meet people where they are there. And even in their constitution, they've got written that they want to achieve a middle path, which is, yes, they want to be as environmental as possible, 
but they don't want to do it where it's going to impede on any human development, where people aren't going to be able to, people are going to be kept in poverty or things like that. So I just, it's not so much the small habits, it's just the overall way they function as a society was the thing that I took most. Oh, I love that. And I mean, that is something that is so, so important. And I think it's something that a lot of us sometimes miss, you know, we do a lot of focus on like, yes, single use plastic is bad. You know, this is terrible that, you know, we should not use this. But I mean, when I visited India, there was all of these kind of street vendors that were selling these like little small shampoo packets. And the first Mm -hmm. time I saw it, I was just like, oh, this is terrible. You know, sending all of this to like landfill, no way. But, you know, the moment I start looking at the backstory and realizing that that little shampoo packet is all that these people can afford. And that might be the only shampoo that they can actually buy for the next week or two. They can't go to the store and buy a big container because they just can't afford it. And that's when you really need to look at some of these, in some of these countries, you know, unfortunately surviving has to come first. And They don't have the luxury to look at the most sustainable packaging. They don't have the luxury to even go into a store. And, you know, for some of them, if they can afford one big shampoo that might last them a year because that's how little they use at a time, then that will be a phenomenal thing. But I think we really need to kind of look at all of the environments that they are growing up and like their societies before we like would go and pass judgments. And I mean, I did that and I learned the hard way with that. So it's phenomenal to see how these people are, you know, looking at all these aspects and trying to improve, but also, you know, looking at the people as well. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Firstly, I think as well, when you look at a carbon footprint, it's not the developing or the the less developed countries that have got the major footprints. It's us. So it's it's all about starting where we are. But, yeah, definitely going in with an open mind. I, I mean, I had bottled water there, single use. Like we would try to fill it up and then we would ask them, like, why why are we having bottled water? And they were just like, oh, no, just in case. Even though the water was per- perfectly fine, they drank out of it. So it's kind of even just catering to to different ideals. Like they they didn't want to – they didn't drink out of bottled water. So, yeah, it's just – it's interesting. But I think definitely looking at – our footprint first. I, I remember seeing in Bali, they were um, burning piles of trash on the road. But it's because they don't they don't have a recycling centre and previously we've just sent it off to China and that's not happening now. So I remember being horrified at the chemicals that they would have been ingesting and thinking, oh God, that's not great. But what else are they meant to do? And most of it's tourist trash too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jeez. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah so much to think about. It is. It is. And that's why you've got to like I think take uh, try do everything you can, but not get annoyed at yourself for not doing everything. Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's so intertwined. You can't be perfect. I know. Oh, I ju- I just love that. Well, talking about being perfect and everything that you've done, <laughs> what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? This is a recent one, and Sarah Wilson actually talks a lot about it in her book, and it kind of it resonated with me it's like doing everything literally doing everything you can like pulling out all the stops and I know that sounds very overwhelming for people who might be feeling overwhelmed already 
but it's doing everything but with an open mind that you don't need to be perfect and if you in inverted commas stuff up you haven't stuffed up you've just you're in part of a society that is not set up sustainably yet so I kind of I'm just trying to make it so that every single thing in my life from the the activities I do for fun being like going to farmers markets going to community events making it so that my entire life is set up around nature and community and just just yeah really absorbing it and loving it and creating this kind of identity around it because I feel that we all need to be more connected to nature and to each other so my biggest decision is everything <laughs> <laughs> very big indeed yeah oh I, it is. I love it oh it's amazing so and we are going to move into our final five so the first one is what is one social media account or publication that you follow Oh, okay. Uh, I am loving, this has nothing to do with environment. I'm loving Body Posse Panda at the moment, just for inclusion. She's just brilliant. She's happy. Um, and she's just all about inclusivity and just kind of opening your mind to more joy, I think, and, and more activism, being able to be more activist because you're not just thinking about diet culture. And another account that I would like to mention that I've seen you've reshared so many times as well on your yep. stories is Patagonia. Absolutely oh love gosh. that account. Like, guys, if, if you have not checked them out, like, do it. Like, do it. it. <laughs> oh, and just to be more on topic, one Million Women, I really adore. They are fantastic. They're constantly putting out just easy bite-sized information. They're great. Yeah, and we had the founder, Natalie, on the podcast as well. So I saw that. I'm got, it's, it's <laughs> bookmarked for me to listen to. <laughs> awesome. Love it. And so what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I think that we all just connect back to her. I think... I mean, you see people getting um, in lockdown were having severe deprivation of green spaces and people were flooding parks on their one hour of exercise and I think that's fantastic. And and the way that people missed each other, we saw that connection isn't just about like likes and, and scrolling. So I think just a more connected future to ourselves, to each other, to the planet. So what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? I'd say layering your activities. I think we've got so much on and one thing I do is kind of go, okay, like I want to spend quality time with my kids. I want to be outside. I want to plant some vegetables. And I try like stack it all together so I'm not overwhelmed the whole time. And I'm like, okay, I will spend quality time with the kids by going for a walk in nature, collecting arts and craft things and coming home and doing stuff with them. Like layering your values in with your activities just makes it easier, I think. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? That if food waste was a country, it would have the third highest emissions after China and the USA. Oh, awesome. That's a really important one. And yeah, we can definitely try and find ways to reduce our food waste. Yes. <laughs> and where can people actually find you? Well, I'm on Instagram at eco with M underscore and the same with Facebook and Pinterest. Or you could just email me at hello at eco with M.com. Awesome. <laughs> and we're going to link all of that up in the show notes. I actually thought you were going to say you were hiding behind a laundry pile. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. <laughs> 
deeply scared of this pile. <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been an absolute blast and it's amazing to share your journey with our crazy birds. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are most welcome. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.